what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Foot Candle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Foot Candle Films here on TheMesh.TV. My name is Alan. And uh, my name is Chris, the co-host. The co-host. Actually, it's Chris Fry, but I am a co-host. That would be really funny if your last name was co-host. <laughs> Chris co-host. Chris co-host. <laughs> <And> <laughs> Alan co-host. We are co-hosts of Foot Candle Films. This is our show here on The Mesh where we talk about films, as you may call them, movies, uh, cinema. celluloid cinema, right? Cinema. A lot of different words for it. But we basically get together and we talk about at least one reviewed movie in some situations. We do two or three, but this month... For this episode, we do have a little shorter episode. We're going to do one main review of a new film for you, and that'll be the review of Kong Skull Island. Then we're going to move into some movie news. We have two or three items of news that we're going to discuss, get some feedback on. And then we're going to go to the last part of the show where we talk about our recommendations. That's where Chris and I both bring a film possibly out of the vault that we want to reintroduce to the audience or maybe remind the audiences out there. And we think you ought to check out if you're looking for something to download or stream over the weekend. So that's our show. Like I said, Chris, normally we have maybe two or three movies to review and this month we just have one, but it's a monster. It's a, a big, big movie. <laughs> resist, I mean. It is. It's, it's Kong skull Island. So let's move right into the review of our only film this episode. That's Kong. He's God on the island. We don't belong here. But the devils live below us. I call them skull crawlers. Why? Because it sounds neat. Okay. Look, I just made that name up. I'm trying to scare you. I'm fine calling them that. Are you cool with that? Yeah, that, that seems like a good idea. I like the name. Kong Skull Island, Alan, is from the producers mm-hmm. of Godzilla, but not that's, the director. That's the most Godzilla. recent Godzilla movie. Right. Um, yes, that came out uh, maybe about two or three years ago. Yeah, 2014. 2014. Okay, yes. So, yes, that I was a, a fan of. I right. liked actually quite a bit. And that was uh, directed by Gareth um, Edwards. Gareth, Gareth Edwards. And he did, as everyone knows, the Rogue One movie. That's right. So he went from... He went from the little film monsters that he did, right. independent film. He did went to Godzilla, and now he went to the Star Wars universe. So he had a pretty fast ascension <laughs> up the sure. ranks of, oh, yeah. of uh, big, big, big budget movies. There. So this director is Jordan Voigt Roberts. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's done The Kings of Summer. He did a comedy special with Nick Offerman, mm-hmm. and then now he's done Kong Skull Island. So do you see, after having watched the movie, do you see this as an elevator to stardom for even bigger and better things, if you can get bigger than a big monster movie doing Kongsville Island? Or how do, you, how do you feel like this movie will be seen as on his resume? Hmm. That's a really good question. Uh, I actually think, I'll just come right on and say, I, I had fun with this movie. I'm glad you did. Okay, <laughs> I figured that's where you're probably going to go was the opposite of that, but that's okay. I, it has some major, major flaws. 
things that pro- will keep me from saying it's a great movie. Okay. I will say it was a fun movie. And again, I am saying that as someone who I like. You like monster giant movies. Giant, towering monster movies. I just do. I, so, Raw, if, you know, if you are a fan of said monster movies, Alan is a fan of said monster movies, it at yeah. least checks the tick box of this was a monster movie and it was, okay, I had fun. Right, right. right. And, you know, and I'm a big King Kong fan in general. So uh, let me let me start off in saying the things, I think, addressing the director specifically. Because okay. I do think the director... It's interesting here. Even my son. So I took both my boys to this okay. film. And my 15-year-old, who I've noticed over the last couple of years has taken a little bit more keen interest to how films are made. He specifically at one point nudged me and it's like, there are some really awesome shots in this movie. Hmm. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah, you're right. There are some very interesting artistic shots yeah. for a big, dumb monster movie. <laughs> okay. And it was the kind of thing he was still talking about after the movie. He's like, he could rattle off four or five shots. He's like, it was really cool how they framed this shot and how this shot looked. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah, those actually were really creative shots. Hmm. Visually, I think the director had a pretty good style to this film. I liked it. I liked the production design. I liked the art aesthetic of the film. It's set in this kind of post-Vietnam or just slightly after Vietnam was done uh, time period. I think it had all the aesthetics right. Visually, I thought it was a really, really interesting film. Okay. And I'll give the director some credit for that. I think the director had some really great vision of how he wanted this film to look. Um, the things that did not work in the film, uh, the story itself was really just, it was bad. I mean, it was just not a very well done story once we got to the island. I thought it just kind of just went in all different directions and really did not stick together as a great what could have been a really great premise. I think the story just didn't hold up at all. And then all the characters. All right. Are we supposed to really be that interested in the characters? I hope not because they were all just simple stereotypes of the typical. We throw a whole bunch of different characters together in a Island survival situation. So the characters were really weak. I thought, and I thought the story was pretty hackneyed, but I will say visually from a director's standpoint, I thought it was an interesting looking film. I had fun watching it. I thought the visuals behind Kong himself were also very well done. So it's just, you know, if you go in for a popcorn movie where it's big spectacle, big monsters stomping all over each other and humans running around and making really dumb decisions, then it was a, it was a good movie. It was a fun movie. Is it a well done movie visually? Yes. Acting story. No. So that's kind of where I'm falling. I'm giving it a passable passable thumbs up. But with the caveat that if this is not your kind of movie, you do not need to go see this movie. Sure. Okay. That's where I am with it. You know, I I am on record as not being the biggest fan of said big monster movies. And I'd heard about this movie and I'd heard about kind of how it was taking on the Vietnam idea. And I was like, Oh, okay. So maybe it's going to have more going for it. Um, but yeah, I, I'll agree with you that visually it looked good. You know, they were trying some things with some cinematography, mm-hmm. it, but I was so distracted by the fact of how bad the story was. Yeah. The story and was really bad. You mentioned, you mentioned about getting to the Island, you know, if the story setup would have had some, <laughs> 
if it wouldn't have just been stalling time, like mm-hmm. I felt like, yeah, why did we need, cause it doesn't make it, they like hop a couple of different places and pick up some people. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, now we're finally at the island. I'm like, yeah, but you just wasted 15 minutes and it doesn't really matter. You might as well start the movie with people on this boat talking. And yeah. Like the background stuff really, and, like, and the background stuff didn't even hold up No, because it's like, it okay, didn't. first we're introduced. Now I'm not, this is not spoiler. This is the first 15 minutes of the film. We're introduced to who we think is supposed to be kind of a main driver of the story. Uh, the uh, John Goodman character, Bill Randa, right. who's going to be kind of the one leading this exposi- expedition. You know, he's got a case for why they need to go find this island. He pitches this case. I think that case was accepted really, really quickly and easily. <laughs> you know, about, oh, we're going to send an entire military squad and all these multi million dollars of helicopters into which unknown area. Which at one point, you know, I kind of kind of interested me because it reminded me of aliens the premise behind that sure you know james cameron it's just it was really just quickly cobbled together it was like hey we need to go see this island before some other uh country looks at it and it's like oh okay stamp it okay and go it was like it was a really hackneyed kind of pull together way of doing it and then you do the whole we got to go see all the people who are going to be members of our crew the very traditional overused uh, plot device on that. You're right. I actually think it would have been more interesting to like open on the boat slash helicopters going into the Island. It's like we can learn all the backstory once we get on the Island. Well, you know, I think the thing that (laughs) Grant had, they been able to do it successfully. I would have liked that setup carried through the movie and it would have impressed me as somebody who doesn't like monster movies, but I feel like you have to kind of know what a movie is and what it's capable of. Mm-hmm. This is a monster movie that just needs to have Kong smashing stuff and beating stuff. It's, you know, a deep plot is maybe not going to be where you need to go. True. I mean, not that you, someone couldn't carry it off, but you kind of have to know what you're up against and know what you want to deliver. Yeah. And I think, I think the director or the screenwriter, you know, different people involved may have overreached what was possible. Like mm-hmm. putting this kind of, backstory into like a transformers movie it's just like no just have giant robots smashing up cities mm. and that's all you need like mm. I, I i think but I, I, think, mean, I think it was just a matter of overreaching plus you've got a lot of talented actors but mm. i so many of them are miscast well brie larson who's an actress i really really like does absolutely nothing in this movie tom hiddleston tom hiddleston i really like him he's nothing one of my he, favorites. he does john goodman I always liked John Goodman. And sure, he was playing a good part, but, and without spoiling, underused, let's just say. Oh, yeah. Um, Sam Jackson playing Sam Jackson. Sure. Um, I like John John John, C. Riley. I thought, eh, no, you didn't like it. I hated it. Really? I like John C. Riley. You just hated this whole plot? I like John C. Riley. The whole idea of him. There again, kind of distracting because they're bookends in this film. Yeah. The right, opening thing, I'm like, okay, what is this? And then it's just discarded. I'm like, okay. Then John C. Riley shows up in the movie, and I'm like, oh, I think I see that where this is going. Now, if they had just let it happen, but oh no, they have a credit sequence like no, the credit, thing. that is terrible. The credit sequence terrible. I give you, I I will give you that. The credit sequence is completely undeserved, and tried to make this a different kind of movie than what we've been watching for the last hour and a half or and two I, hours. And I think John C. Riley, because you know, he's a comedic actor, but he can also be a dramatic actor. If they had just chosen to kind of make Kong kind of winking the whole time at how ridiculous some of the stuff is and how pro- plot the threads aren't followed through on, then that would have been a different type of movie. And it probably would have worked 
mm-hmm. better for me. Mm-hmm. But you know, they were taking this. No, this is a serious movie. This is a serious approach. And actually, yeah. Let me let me actually say something. Okay, so they had this setup of this is like a military operation. They were trying to develop some backstory, some plot. So I tried to go with that, and then that fell away. Mm-hmm. We get to Skull Island, and. I have seen the original King Kong, but it's been a long time ago. You've seen it, I know, a couple of times, maybe even recently. Yeah. There's the aspect of Skull Island where they're like, even Peter Jackson's version of King Kong had like several different monsters oh, on yeah. the island. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when we get on the island and we start seeing some of the other mon- monsters, not the skull eaters or whatever they're called, <laughs> yeah. not them, which I actually thought that was, they were really disappointing. I thought mm. for the big creature, they were actually really mm. disappointing. Yeah. Um, but they, there's a, there's a giant spider and the way that's introduced when they're walking through the jungle mm-hmm. or not, I don't even, I guess it's a spider. It's some big, they're like in a big bamboo jungle and yes. all of a sudden they realize that there's some spider legs around. Yeah. Them. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I I thought that way that was done was really cool. That's yeah. that's an example of some visually, really cool shots. It was visually yeah. you're looking up at this giant spider hover. It was yeah, there was some really cool shots. And yeah. so I was, you know, I was like, okay, fine. Now what we're going to get is a series of action sequences that are just going to be big monster fighting either humans or big monster fighting Kong because we get another sequence where not the skull eater things but Kong's going for a swim, shall we say. And he does another and I liked that little scene mm-hmm. part I liked and I liked that, but it was like, there wasn't enough of that and there was too much other stuff that just wasn't interesting fight wise, I guess. Yeah. I, I definitely lost interest in the film the longer we're on the island because okay. I felt like it just kind of was spinning some wheels a few times. There was some real gaps of time that I thought were just really, dis- I mean, at one point it's pitch dark and there's like f- fire and they're running and then the very, almost like the very next scene, it's broad daylight ah. and it's just okay I, I understand that it can go from early early morning to where it's still dark to morning right. and that can happen within an hour or so but an hour has not transpired so little things are just clumsy i almost just felt like it was like taking like pieces and saying okay we got to have a cool fight here we got to have this scene and we got to have this scene and it's all the matter of which cast members are going to make it and which ones aren't. And you pretty much know which ones are going to make it early in the film. You have a really good sense of these certain characters, the way they're playing them up on the screen, they're going to survive while these other people don't. It was, I was, it was really lazy writing once we got on the island. I felt like, <laughs> I felt like they rushed getting us to the, the island. Writing that was before the island didn't really make a lot of sense. Once you got to the used, island. But once I got there, it was just, yeah. Well, I liked the beginning. Until I realized it was all kind of pointless. Right. You know, once you got there. And the John C. Riley subplot, I liked the sub I liked his plot as a subplot, but it should have been just a subplot. You're right. The fact that his story was the bookends. <sighs> and I didn't mind the beginning because I thought it was going to lead to something kind of interesting. It didn't. And then we got that horrible closing credit scene. Like I agree. That was just there was no reason for that to be there. It was trying to play a sentimental angle that had nothing to do with the rest of the movie and was way over the top and just didn't work at all. So I, it was, it was, a it was a little bit of a mess of a movie. I'll be, I'll, I, I can admit that. Um, I will say, you know, what do you go see a King Kong movie for? You want to see King Kong? I thought he was really good. I mean, I, I talk about him as a person, but I thought he was really good. <laughs> I liked his design. I liked visually how he looked on the screen. 
I like the scenes that involved him fighting. I thought were really well choreographed for a CGI fight scene. Well, so. I want to I want to mention two things with mm-hmm. that. Okay. First off, um, you say you mentioned him as if he was a person. Yeah. Okay. There's uh, Jack Chapman, who's one of the soldiers that goes to the island. Mm-hmm. The whole time he was on screen, I was like, "Dude, that guy looks familiar. I wonder where I've seen him before." Well, after the movie's over, thank you IMDb, I see that Jack Chapman was played by Toby Kebbell. Yes. And Toby Cable also did the um, animation for Kong. He yeah. was like the so I was like, oh, that's where I've seen this yeah. dude before. <laughs> so no, I yeah, he's that was- he's in a few movies. He actually was um, did the uh, and he was the motion capture guy for one the Planet of the Apes right. movies right. for the evil e- ape, not Caesar, right? But the Koble Koba or something like that. Uh, I can't remember. Yeah. Anyway, I know. So obviously, about. yeah, he's. He's pretty good at that. Yeah, so yeah. I, I I really liked Kong as as a character. Um, I like this concept of Kong as like the protector of the island, kind of this king of the island, and everybody kind of defers to him a little bit. I just I like that that idea and that concept of it. Um, and again, once it just kind of devolved into run, 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 and <laughs> let's see who dies next. It, it got a little tedious after a while, well, and uh, you know. And one of the things you also mentioned when you were talking about you know the Kong statement you made was that when you go to a giant monster movie, what do you want to see? You want to see the giant monster mm-hmm. and Kong. They show him very early Probably in the movie. 20 minutes in uh, 15, well, you see, 20 minutes. You see in? his hand. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. He's in the opening before yeah. the opening crest. But as far as like really him in the story, it, you don't have to wait, but 20 yeah. minutes or 20 so minutes to be in there. Now I, for this review, because I was like, you know, I need to go back and check out 2014's Godzilla because I want to compare mm-hmm. and contrast yeah. the two. Godzilla in that movie is he's hidden for a lot of the movie. Yep. And even when they do show him a lot of times it is at night and there's a lot of shadows going on. He's dodging in between buildings and a lot of stuff's obscured. And actually when I was rewatching it, granted I was watching it at home. I found it a little much more frustrating than mm. I did when I saw it in the big screen, but okay. still to compare and like they hide one monster and they show another one. What's your being a big fan of mm-hmm. monster movies? Sounds like your preference would have been more for King Kong, the King Kong way of showing the monster. The no, beginning. not necessarily because I'm I'm of the Jaws mentality. Okay, where don't show me the don't show me the monster until you're really ready to show me the monster. Okay, okay, so I don't mind waiting an hour to see the creature if the buildup is really well done. Gotcha in Jaws. It's really well done. Sure. We don't really see the shark. We see glimpses or we see things that make infer to him. We don't ever see the shark until like over an hour into the film. Right. And it pays off really, really well when that happens. Godzilla from 2014. I didn't mind that. I was anticipating. I'm like, yeah, I want to see this guy. Sure. But I didn't mind because I did think the scenes where we actually got him at the end. You could argue that maybe he was not in the movie as much as I would have liked. But the scenes he was in there, I thought were really good. So yeah. I didn't mind the wait and the buildup for it. Got you. Kong, you know, yeah, they throw him out there pretty darn quick. And it was fine because, again, I, I knew within a few minutes of this film, this is a dumb popcorn movie. <laughs> it's a dumb pop- popcorn movie that just happens to have some interesting visual style to it. Right. But that's about it. It's a big dumb popcorn movie. So, yeah, if I'm in the popcorn movie, throw the monster at me as soon as you can and let's see some good stuff with it. So it, it's tough. I, I, mean, I think Godzilla is a better movie. I won't say by far, but I think, do think it's a much better movie if I'm going to look at these two together because obviously well, there is some connection. And I was going to follow up um, with that. 
I think Godzilla was a better movie. I think Kong's a more interesting character. Hmm. I just think this movie did not, the movie surrounding Kong (laughs) did not hold up is (laughs) the best way I could describe it is that you take a really great idea, setting it in the seventies, make it a period piece, have a slightly interesting concept to it, like premise to it. And then just throw some really underused actors, very conventional plot devices, a muddled story that just seemed kind of patched together. And yeah, and it just, the movie surrounding Kong did not live up to what was possible. I didn't think. So looking into the future, mm-hmm. you kind of, you know, alluded to it. We are going to be given another Godzilla movie. Mm-hmm. I believe it's going to be called Godzilla King of the Monsters, which is actually a line or they show a newspaper clipping from a newspaper in the Godzilla movie towards the end, like, oh, you know, is this King of the Monsters the savior of our city or whatever? So it's like they're lifting that title. Mm-hmm. I believe is going to be the next movie. It's Godzilla, King of the Monsters. And Correct. then they're going to have Godzilla versus King Kong or Kong versus Godzilla, whatever. So are you excited about either of those or neither of those? Um, no, I'm excited about both. Okay. I mean, again, I thought Godzilla was good. Okay. Okay. I will say I thought it was a good movie. And again, I'm a little jaded because I just, I like King Kong. I like Godzilla. I I like these kind of movies. Sure. I thought it was a really well done Godzilla movie. I thought Kong Skull Island was an interesting, it's an interesting episode of a King. It was like an episode of a King Kong TV series. It was like expensive TV. series. Yeah. It was just like, all right, you gave me one little story about this big ape. That's cool. All right. It was kind of dumb, but the ape was cool. So yeah, let me see what they're going to do with him next. I'm okay with that. Okay. Um, to me, it all boils down to the writing. I mean, it just really, really does. And I just, in both situations, I thought Godzilla was maybe a little overwritten, hmm. you know? Interesting. Where I think a lot of the characters and plot to, to build up was maybe a little more detailed, a little more chaotic or complex than it needed to be. I thought Kong Skull Island was probably underwritten, you know, once they got to the island. So, you know, to me, it's the writing. I thought that you got two good directors. I think the directors know what they're doing in both situations. Gareth Edwards and and, uh, uh, Jordan um, doing the Kong Skull Island. Right. To me, it's just the writing. You know, how good is the writing? Now, what's interesting is Max Bornstein was one of the screenwriters for Godzilla. Godzilla. He was also one of the screenplay writers for Kong Skull Island. Right. Kong Skull Island has Dan Gilroy who also did the screenplay. So it was kind of with both of them and he's got a real mixed filmography. I mean, he, um, he's written a lot of stuff and he's directed, he directed Nightcrawler in 2014, which I loved. Yeah. Thought was really good, but he's written a lot of stuff. I mean, it's, it's a mixed bag. It's, you got your Kong skull Island. You've got your uh, Nightcrawler. He wrote, you got Real Steel, which I think is a fun movie. He just did the story for That's it. the Fighting Robots? Yeah, the Fighting Robots. Okay. <laughs> he did uh, a few other movies. So it, it comes down to the writing. And I just thought the writing on this was, was pretty weak. And, um, but, but, you know, there again, I'm really torn on how to, how to approach this movie. Because if it's on cable or on Netflix and it's on, I'll watch it. I because know. I just think it's got enough fun elements to it to, for me to watch. But I'm not going to be watching it from any kind of dissertation standpoint or wanting to like <laughs> explore any of the themes it's trying to go into. It's just, okay, let me fast forward to the parts where they have some cool action scenes and moments uh, with, with, the, with the, the creatures. 
and I, I, I'm, I'm glad that you liked it being a fan of maybe. Yeah, so, I, you know, I, I quote liked your, it. Yeah, yeah, sure. You're not saying it should be a best picture, but no. uh, you know. So that's. I wish I could be excited about these movies, but uh, <laughs> I just, I just can't. And I had hopes for this one because it seemed like going back and watching because it's we referenced it. Going back and watching Godzilla, some of the overwritten stuff that you were talking about kind of did a little bit of a surprise thing because you thought they were introducing you to Godzilla and they were introducing you to something else. Mm-hmm. Um, for those who haven't seen the movie, I won't spoil, but it's kind of like they do a bait and switch of what's yeah. exactly going on, which was kind of interesting to me. They were like trying something and that kind of, that helped me enjoy that mm-hmm. one, at least upon first viewing. Yeah. <laughs> um, this one just, yeah, it just didn't have anything unique and it was exactly what I thought it would be. So I was, I was Well, let me put it this way. We're in we're in a film world these days where everybody's trying to go into a shared universe type of situation. Yeah, yeah. You, it really kind of started with the whole Marvel sure. comics universe. You've got the DC comics universe. Now they've even branched out to there's a a, 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 a Universal Monsters, which is going to be the Tom Cruise Mummy movie coming out, starting that chain of movies. Right, and now you've got this 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 big. I guess big monster movies, you know, with Kong and Godzilla. For what it's worth, because I, I think have this is definitely going down the DC path as opposed to the Marvel path. See, I don't, I, 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 I think it's straddling the line somewhere. I am, <laughs> I am more excited about this universe than I ever am right now about the DC universe. Really? Oh, absolutely. Wow. I mean, those movies okay. have just been so much worse than this for me. Hmm. Uh, I enjoyed this immensely more than I enjoyed a suicide squad or man of steel or some of that. So I'm more excited about this universe. Although I wish they didn't feel like they had to fit everything into a shared universe. I'm more excited about this than I am that universal mummy and Dracula movies and more excited about it than I am the DC movies that they're doing. Marvel still got a good spot. They know what they're doing. I'm still fairly intrigued by where they're going. This, this is, this is a universe. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm happy to see where it goes with another movie or two. Um, I'm curious to see <laughs> there was that, you mentioned the Tom Cruise. We're going way off the rails here, but it's, it's okay. We only got one movie to review. Right. So we've got some time. The Tom Cruise movie that somebody released a trailer where I guess the alternate audio was used or it was like effects audio was used and the whole audio for the movie wasn't there. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it's the same trailer, but the audio is not right. So you just hear Tom Cruise go, <gasps> <laughs> like you hear all that. That's funny. And otherwise it's like dead quiet. And then you hear like things clunking around and then you'll hear them like Ooh. say something. Yeah. It's, just oh. really, <laughs> it's really funny. It's probably, you can find it. I think it just accidentally happens. Yeah. Like but I, still, um, but it was really funny and it like made the rounds on the internet and all these people were like, yeah, I'll totally go see this movie if it's released <laughs> like this. Um, <laughs> since then I've seen the regular trailer. The movie looks terrible. I'm interested to see, I guess they're going to continue, regardless of how this movie goes, they're going to continue to go down the thing of the universal monsters. Or are they really waiting to see, okay, now we have, because in this first mummy movie, is it Russell Crowe who is yeah. in there as Van Helsing, Van Helsing and they're setting him up obviously to do the Dracula story. Sure. Um, so I wonder if that's already kind of a done deal or no, they're like, no, we're going to wait and see how this thing goes. Well, actually, and again, yes, we're definitely down a rat hole here. <laughs> that's all right. So well, there maybe. was a Dracula movie a few years, a couple, uh, two or three years ago or two years ago, really? Dracula, Dracula unleashed Dracula something. Hmm. Okay. 
that technically was supposed to be the first movie of oh, the Universal didn't, didn't There was monsters. a Frankenstein Unleashed or something. Yeah, but I don't think that, that one was part this, of this the deal. I think okay. it was the Dracula. Oh, gosh, I'm going to have to pull up IMDb here. Dracula Untold. Oh, that's it. Untold, Untold. from 2014. Oh, wow. And, okay, um, so three years ago. But it didn't do so anything money-wise. It came out the same time the Godzilla movie came out yeah. that launched this Kong movie. Luke Evans starred as Dracula, and or and Dominique Cooper was in it, and several others. It was supposed to be the start of this whole universal monsters. You know, the werewolf, mummy, Dracula, Frankenstein thing. Right. And it did nothing money-wise. <laughs> so they basically are saying, no, Tom Cruise's The Mummy is going to be the start of it, when it wasn't. Um so, you know, and that's the thing about, I mean, Tom Cruise, I respect Tom Cruise. So the movie hasn't I, come out yet. No. Okay. I, I think Tom Cruise makes really, really good choices in films almost all the time. I, there's, there's very few Tom Cruise clunkers that I've seen. Most of the films he chooses to do are at least passable good films with good entertainment value. So maybe The Mummy will be okay. I don't know. It doesn't look like it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And um, I just don't have a lot of confidence behind it. So when you spend your whole first trailer just showing a big action sequence of the character getting tossed around in a plane has Which, nothing to do with a with mummy. Alternate audio yeah. is hilarious. <laughs> it has nothing to do with a mummy. It's like, okay, you know, really are, are they just grasping at stuff here to like promote this film with? I think what it comes down to is um, when I go to a movie, if it's going to be a big budget movie or if it's going to be a good popcorn movie, I'm cool with that, but it has to have something more than effects. And I think that's with monster movies. They tend to be, because you can't make you know, yeah. newsflash, monsters don't really exist. So they have to be special effects. They have to be CGI. And so much time is spent on doing that that the rest of the movie to me is just uninteresting. Yeah. And I think that's what The Mummy looks like. You know, I don't think there's going to be a lot of interesting backstory that makes sense or plot during the movie that makes sense all it's going to be is big ridiculous action sequences with yeah. stuff flying everywhere and it's just not going to in the circle of back i will say that I, I i i will say kong skull island is a fun visual experience movie that doesn't have a lot of interesting stuff around it unfortunately sure godzilla i thought had more interesting things around it in the moments it did become a visual uh, experience, it was pretty impressive. But the balance might have been a little off on that, too. So neither film are perfect films. and But I'm curious to see where they go with this little, quote, shared universe, you know, I guess. And, and I have to say, instead of giving us two additional movies, I wish they would just go straight for the Kong versus Godzilla. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I don't see the reason to have another Godzilla movie. And then have this, except they're trying to stretch the franchise out and make more money. Yeah, or just but, build it up a little bit. So, hey, Kong Skull Island, I will give a passable grade to. I thought it was fun popcorn uh, movie. Um, my kids enjoyed it. You know, it was a fun time at the movies. It's just when you really stop and think about it, it's like, yeah, it was, it was kind of dumb and yeah. not well written and not well acted. Well, you say not well acted. I think the actors did their part. It's no, just I, they just didn't have a lot to work with. No. You know, their characters were pretty paper thin. Right. So, um, Kong Skull Island, if you're into that kind of movie, I think it's worth checking out. If you're not into that kind of movie, you do not need to go it. see it for anything. So, fair enough. So, that's our only review. So, why don't we uh, take a quick break and we come back. We're going to go into some movie news and do our recommendations. Sound good? Yep, let's do it. All right. We'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to Foot Candle Films here on TheMesh.TV. 
We'll get back to your show in a moment. Just a reminder, you're listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Find out more at themesh.tv and give us feedback on what you like. And now, as promised, back to your show. Welcome back to Foot Candle Films here on themesh.tv. Again, my name is Alan. With me, as always, is Chris. Chris, we have been co-hosts on this show since the very, very beginning. Yes. We've brought in like little guest hosts once in a while just True. to kind of mix it up, but it's still you and me. I mean, yes. we don't, you, neither of us have swapped out for uh, a, a replacement co-host for any period of time. The offers uh, just haven't been high enough yet. Yeah, really. I mean, we're, <laughs> we keep evaluating and we keep a lot of resumes being sent to us, but you know what? I think it's, I think we're good with the two of us right now, but if you're curious to see what some of those older episodes sound like, you can actually do that by visiting the mail. TV. So please note, I said the mesh. That's T H E M E S H dot TV. That's where you can go and listen to any number of podcasts that we have up on the network. We post episodes on a regular basis of a variety of different shows ranging from all different types of topics. This is just one show that we produce. So we have this show and then there's several others involving education, business, uh, you know, talk about sports from time to time. There's a lot of different mixture of different, different shows that we bring on, bring on board. The great thing about podcasts are you can go to the mesh website, you can find the show you like, and then you can opt to subscribe to it. If you subscribe to it and you use something like Apple iTunes, or you have an iPhone or iPad, or uh, Android device, you know, there's ways to subscribe to podcasts in your device. By subscribing, that means every time we put out a new episode, you get it downloaded to your device automatically. So you fire up your podcast player and it's going to tell you, hey, here's all the new episodes I've got for you to watch or listen to. It's kind of like a DVR for internet uh, audio and video programs. So we encourage you, if you like listening to us talk and you like uh, talking about movies, Go and actually uh, go to the mesh.tv, find the Foot Candle Films show, and click on the subscribe button through Apple iTunes or any other player that you may use. If the whole podcast thing doesn't really make a lot of sense to you, you just want to go and listen to us, you can always go to the website and find an episode and just play it right there on the website without having to download anything, without having to install anything, or subscribe, anything. So it's just there for you to watch or listen to as well. So we uh, hope you have a chance to check it out and check out some of the other shows on the Mesh Network as well. Okay, Chris, so back to our show as we're talking about movies. We just finished our review of Kong Skull Island just a few moments ago, our single review that we're doing today. So let's move right into some movie news. And if it's okay with you, Chris, I've got like three items to cover. I, I, I slacked off. I didn't you don't have any, any news items. I didn't items, bring so. any news items. Awesome. Today. I have got you covered. <laughs> okay, good. Okay. Now, I don't know if you brought this film up before uh, or if I've just heard had another conversation with somebody else about this film. But a trailer was just released today for a film that I'm extremely excited about for several reasons. Mm, okay. Let me just throw out some some information, just some little nuggets of information okay. about this. Uh, we have Frances McDormand. Oh, haven't okay. heard from her in a while. There you go. Interesting, okay. right? Yeah. Woody Harrelson. Interesting. Okay. Okay. John Hawks. Huh. Okay. Sam Rockwell. Oh, okay. Peter Dinklage. 
See, this would be getting ex- me excited, except for I just came off Kong Skull Island that had Tom Hiddleston, Brie Larson. Oh, Sandy no, no, this Jackson. cast I'm reading, this is for Kong Skull Island 2. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. <laughs> no, it's, uh, I'm, okay. I'm getting to where I'm yeah, building up cast, here. Cast is sounding good. Okay. Um, here's where it gets really, really great. Martin McDonough. Oh. Who did In Bruges. Yeah. In Bruges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A film that you and I both really liked. Absolutely. He also did Seven Psychopaths, which I never saw. I've seen it. Yeah? Liked it. Okay. Yeah. So the film is called Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Okay. That's the name of the movie. I have heard that title, and I knew that he directed it, but that was all I knew. Okay. So now we've got a cast. We have a cast, and we have a trailer okay. that came out today. It is a Red Band trailer. <laughs> So don't play it with the kitties around. <laughs> but I watched the trailer. I've watched it twice now. It is real. It looks. Do we have really... a? Do we have a plot description? I mean, having yeah. seen so the trailer, so basically it's... just from the trailer, what sure. what you can kind of pick up on is that a woman who lost her daughter, uh, her daughter died. Oh, her daughter. It died. sounds like her daughter died because. And it's not clear in the trailer whether it was some sort of police negligence oh. or maybe some incident that involved police or she is not feeling like the police took her daughter's death seriously enough. But she rents three billboards around this area, basically just slamming the police. So she basically, that's the first thing we see in the trailer. She's going into the, the, the guy who helps sell space on the billboards. And she's like, what words can I use you know, on the billboard? She's like listing out all these curse words. Gotcha. And the guy's like, no, you, you can't say those or you can't say that or whatever. So you get a sense. So this she's, is Frances McDormand. I'm yeah, she plays the, the mother. And oh, she plays okay. a salty, very <laughs> upset woman. Okay. And basically, and I know me describing the plot a, doesn't sound like a comedy, but yeah, this is supposed to be a comedy. It's or? very much like in Bruges in that it's it's obviously got a lot of drama behind it, but the trailer lets you know that it's also going to weave in some very very dark humor as well. Okay, um, Woody Harrelson plays the, I think the sheriff in town, so wow. kind of uh, okay. against that. And then I don't really know who everybody else is playing. They don't really spell that out for you. Hmm. It just. Um, the trailer looks awesome. Well, I will just say that. I have to say, uh, Woody Harrelson, movie-wise, I think his career has been very interesting because mm-hmm. I haven't really paid that much attention to it. Uh, he was in White Men Can't Jump. I barely yeah. remember that movie. Yeah. They play basketball. Um, I liked White Men Can't Jump. I remember thinking it was funny. <laughs> it but was I don't a fun remember. movie. And then like, he kind of disappeared. He came back and he did The Hunger Games. Well, movies. remember, he did the uh, Larry Flint that was probably his right. big, that and Natural Born Killers. Natural Born Killers, right. When he did those okay. two, that was kind of his, he was like going completely against type right. of the whole. Because the whole cheers, cheers. thing. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So you're right. He did Natural Born Killers and he did Larry Flint. Then he came and did Hunger Games. And he know, has been laying low he kind of around that period low. of time. Yeah. Then I saw him in the movie I recommended uh, last podcast, Edge of 17. Right. And I remember like, wow, he is really funny as just playing this deadpan humor. He did a little bit in Zombieland. Did you ever see that? I saw Zombieland. That was good. So, um, so yeah, Edge of 17 was good. There's another movie that's coming out. I think it's just called Wilson. Wilson. Mm-hmm. And haven't heard the greatest things about that. Yeah, but um, it's a, it's the same uh, guys who did. Uh, is it based on the same thing as uh, American uh, American Splendor? I believe so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but it looks like it's a good performance for him, even right. if the movie doesn't hold right. up. So um, and I'm now he's in this, this movie. Seems like him being like a sheriff who's having to go up against this woman. Like that 
That seems like it could be really good. Uh, I tell you what, you need to check out the trailer. Okay. I know that we try to, I'm trying to minimize my trailers and you are too, but this is the kind of movie that this is a, a trailer needs to get me excited about this movie in this situation. And well, it did it. And I know directors have varying amounts of control. Mm-hmm. Um, the McDonough guy, like the kind of movies he's made and everything. I don't think he's going to let anything be spoiled. Yeah. And I don't trailer. even know if it's this is a movie that it's just going to get you excited to see it. Right. But it's not the problem is the thing I don't like about movies is movie trailers a lot of times is they're trying to they they spoil things because yeah. they're they're trying to get you excited about but they like if it's a mystery they ruin things and I don't think I don't think this movie is really going to No, be this that. movie I don't, I don't think there's anything that. to spoil about right. this movie. I think this is just telling you what to expect style-wise because right. if you read a description a woman very upset about the death of her daughter puts up billboards to try to indict the police. That doesn't, it doesn't sound like it could have anything comedic, entertaining or dark humor or crime uh, to it. But you watch the trailer. I'm like, okay, yeah, there's a lot of different stuff being thrown into this. It's a lot more than just a woman puts up billboards as a protest. I have the advantage of, I remember the, I know the director's name and having that cast. I'd be interested in seeing it. I don't have to worry about watching the trailer because you've seen it. And told me it's okay to watch. So yeah, that's yeah, yeah. what that's what I need. I need Alan to watch yeah. all the trailers and say, "Chris, I still think you'll watch, watch this. it." But Chris, I'm just don't saying, watch yes. this. No, but you're saying I can watch this. Yeah, you so, can. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. I'm saying the trailer is worth watching, and it does not ruin anything about the film. It actually, in fact, builds up anticipation for me. Awesome. When does does it have a release date? <sighs> I was looking for that. Uh, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. I think it is a um, 2017 release, right? Or is it 2018? Uh, it's coming out soon. Oh, okay. Even better. Um, I mean, I don't think it's too far off. Okay. I just, I can't find a date, unfortunately. I'll I'll come back to that in a second. I'm sure I'll have one. So anyway, that one I'm really excited about. And that one's probably of the films I'm talking about is the one that's the closest to us. Because obviously a trailer's out. So it's it's not too far away from from being released. Sure. Now, another uh, project that was announced. So this one's much further out. And I love stories like this, Chris, because the movie itself, I'm not that interested in okay but this story or 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 the background of this particular film and and behind it leading up to it i think is really fascinating because it actually connects a little bit back to an old podcast episode of ours a news item we did years ago Hmm. it connects back to hollywood history in general and it's just got some interesting backstory so okay let me let me let me talk you through it (laughs) um robert downey jr i've heard of him you have heard of him so if you recall, I think there was maybe two or three years ago, there was a news rumors about Robert Downey Jr. getting with um, Paul Thomas Anderson. To do Pinocchio. To do Pinocchio. Yeah. That supposedly has like been a lifelong project of Robert Downey Jr. He wants to play Geppetto huh. in a Pinocchio movie. That's been his big thing. He's always wanted to do it, according to all the reports I read. You know, something about Robert Downey Jr., his physicality. Yeah, spray paint his hair with white. And for some reason, I can totally see yeah. him as Geppetto. I don't for, know why, but I just... For some reason, that's just he's just really got a passion to do that movie. Geppetto. Yeah. Well, still hasn't happened. Okay. okay. However, he just signed on to do a movie called The Voyage of Dr. Doolittle. Oh, dear. No, hold on. <laughs> see, I knew that was going to be the Chris oh, Fry response, oh, but hold on. Let me back up the story oh, a little bit. This is where I think just Hollywood history gets interesting, and, and I like reading about this stuff. Yeah, the original one got nominated for Oscars, didn't it? Yeah. 
Okay, okay, so about that. And I'm not talking about Eddie Murphy. No, no, I'm no. About, <laughs> I'm talking- so 1967, okay. which, you know, I know I'm getting on up there in age, but I will say I was not on this earth in 1967, and you were not either. Yeah. But Dr. Doolittle, D- D- Dr. Doolittle was released. It had, uh, uh, is it Rex, um, Rex, Rex, Rex Harrison. Harrison, okay. And it is now revered as, like, not only a bad movie, like, it got panned and people didn't like it when it came out. Even though it got nominated for best, I was about to say it got nominated for Oscar. That's what I remember. Is it got nominated for that Oscars. movie has a lot of history behind it. Supposedly it was a horrible production schedule. I think Rex Harrison might have been a really just belligerent, tough guy to work with, <laughs> and all this. Crowds really didn't like it. Okay. You know, it was a huge flop for hmm. for the studio. Um, but it did get nominated for best Academy, best picture, mainly because in the day there was a lot of whining and dining going on in the Academy. So basically uh, it's bribery, you know, 20th okay. century Fox released a film. They had a no huge campaign bribery whatsoever. Goes Ooh, on these days. No. Okay. <laughs> huge campaign to get it nominated for best picture. They were whined and dined literally like, you know, taken huh. out for uh, food, drinks and all that. Okay. So it's really got its place in history as being an example of how one time a film could receive a nomination through just blatant campaigning. Yeah, but it didn't win. It didn't win, like, okay. but it did get nominated. Okay. So, then you had the whole Eddie Murphy, Dr. Doolittle franchise, which really was just taking a, a, the flimsy concept and said, let's make a funny movie out of it. And, and they made more it. than one. They well, there were two, two with Eddie Murphy, and then they made a couple spinoff, like straight-to-video uh, straight video movies I, I couldn't tell you anything about. Right. So anyway, here's the other part of the interesting story about Dr. Doolittle back in 1967. Did you know that because of Dr. Doolittle... And because of the merchandising that they tried to do and build around the movie, they had up toys, they had huh. books, they had all these things. They were going to make a killing off the merchandising around Dr. Doolittle. And they didn't. I mean, they <laughs> lost their shirt on all this stuff. Did they bury it in the middle of the desert somewhere? I don't know. <laughs> but because of the experience with Dr. Doolittle, when a certain young filmmaker named George Lucas, about seven or eight years later, came up with this concept of Star Wars, hmm. he structured a deal with 20th Century Fox where he took less money as a director or writer and wanted more money off the merchandising. And 20th Century Fox is like, heck yeah, because we lost our shirt on doing that with Dr. Doolittle. You go take all the merchandising you want to off of this. Interesting. And now you see where we are with Star Wars as a franchise. I just thought that was really interesting. Just that kind of backstory with this this Dr. Doolittle movie. So here we are 15 years ago, they made the Eddie Murphy versions and, you know, they made some money. Um, here we are now. Uh, 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 Robert Downey Jr. is going to play Dr. Doolittle. Now, is it going to be based off of kind of that original version? Yes. Or? Okay. It is based off the classic original story. So it will probably take place. It will be, ta- it will a be a period piece. A period yes. piece. Yeah. Thank you. Now, here's where I do think it gets a little interesting. I know you you gave the groan. Quentin Tarantino's directing it. No, but um, Oscar-winning screenwriter uh, Stephen Gagan, who wrote Traffic, uh-huh. and he was nominated and actually directed Syriana. Oh. Um, and he did the he directed that film Gold that just came out with Matthew McConaughey. We didn't see I it, seen but, it, but heard I mean, it. it's got good reviews and sounded kind of interesting. So he's written the script. It's okay. called The Voyage of Doctor Doolittle. Um, hmm. And he's also direct. He wrote the script, um, he's and he's directing, directing it. Okay. Oh, I just see it now. He direct, wrapped up the directing duties and cast Robert Downey Jr. as the title character. So you've huh. got an interesting director, not known for light children's fare, not known for like classic films. He's more hard hitting, more realistic films. 
He's writing and directing The Voyage of Dr. Dolittle as a period piece based on the original classic story starring Mike, uh, Robert Downey Jr., who's been wanting to do a big classic adaptation for quite a while. I don't know. It could be good. Who knows? I like talking animals. So, you know, <laughs> that's my other thing. Besides giant monsters that can destroy cities, I also like talking animals. You so, know, yeah, I, I have to say it all sounds like a huge disaster, <laughs> except Robert Downey Jr. Like, I don't know. I, I think the fact that he's willing to do it makes me think because you know even with all the marvel stuff he's kind of said you know what i'm kind of done with this i mean i'll be in some of the other marvel movies but basically it may not be me it may just be my voice because i'll be iron man you can't tell it's me like Mm -hmm. he's just kind of like yeah that was fun i made my movie and he makes for a good tony stark because he's kind of you know plays the jerk or whatever but i i don't know something (laughs) about dr doolittle it sounds like a disaster but the fact that downey's and like he obviously doesn't need the money yeah so yeah, I, I don't know. I think we'll, it'll be really interesting to see where this goes. I, I, will, I just I, I will not be in line to see the movie. However, I will be interested to see how it does. And of course, you know, if it's not just this huge disaster, I'll, yeah. I'll give it a chance. It'll be so. interesting. I, I think when I when I when I read the writer and director, I became intrigued. And then when I read the backstory of Doctor Doolittle as this nineteen sixty seven flop and just some of the, <laughs> the the Hollywood history behind it, it's got some interesting stories. So be curious to see if they can kind of redeem the story and make it something actually really that really stands apart and not either not just seen as a money grab and not seen as the commercial flop that the first one was. So right. Huh. My last story, um, actually, you know what, kind of related. Um, have you seen the Beauty and the Beast live action version? I have not. Okay. Um, my wife was extremely disappointed in me that I was not excited to go see it. <laughs> yeah. um, but she went and saw it with my daughter, and they both sing the praises of it. But I, I have not seen so it. So let's kind of backtrack. So Disney, Disney made, I don't know, however many years of animated films. Original anime is still making animated. Original, but they kind of slowed a little bit on the animation because a lot of their energy now is... Let's take our classic animated stories and let's make live action versions of them. Right. We had Cinderella. We, we had, had uh, Jungle Book. We had Maleficent. We had Maleficent. Yep. Um, we got the Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. So there is Maybe yet they're gearing more. up for Pinocchio. There. Well, <laughs> the one they're doing right now is Dumbo. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um. I don't know how to feel about this. Let me Wait, tell you. Is this Tim Burton's going to do? Yeah, it's Tim Burton. Oh, and Alice in Wonderland is technically they redid. That. Oh, that's true. Alice in yeah, Wonderland. So, and Tim yeah. Burton did it. Well, he did yeah. the first one, not the yeah. second. So Dumbo, Colin Farrell was just cast to be in the Tim Burton live action adaptation of Dumbo. Uh, Farrell would play the father of the children who fall in love with the lovable elephant. Will Smith. Chris Pine and Casey Affleck all passed on the role. So Will Smith, <laughs> Will Smith was in the running for a while. I remember Will Smith was like tagged to this project for a while. He's like, no, nah, I'm going to pass. And Casey Affleck, Casey got Affleck, best actor. He's like, nope, I'm good. I'm good. Thanks though. Um, huh. Eva Green, who's kind of the staple in all Tim Burton movies now. And Danny DeVito, who hasn't been in a Tim Burton movie in a while, but he is going to be back in there are, in negotiations to join the film. This is not done deal yet. Chris, mm. Chris Farrell or Colin Farrell is in talks. So nothing's locked in yet. Okay. But Burton's directing it. I just, I don't know. I'm really worried about this. I, I, I don't see anything that's, you know, here, okay, here's my issue. 
I here's yeah, my issue. I would like for Tim Burton to get me back on his bandwagon. Me too. I, I know he's a talented I, I filmmaker. Thought, I like last yeah. thing I think I saw by him that I liked and you liked as well was Sweeney Todd. Oh yeah, that was like the best movie he's the best the last best movie oh, he's okay. done. I was about to say, don't say no, best, no, no, because the last, Fish, the last okay. best movie he's done. Got you. And then Big Fish was great. Right. And then of course his stuff in the eighties was, oh, yeah. was all really yeah, good. Yeah. Um, I thought Miss Peregrine's home. I I thought it was okay. I mean, it was definitely bottom tier Tim Burton, but it was like in the top of the bottom tier. Like it was close to being really good better than dark shadows (laughs) oh much better than dark shadows (laughs) much better than the charlie and the chocolate factory much better than um uh, alice in wonderland yeah so you know of later burton films it was one of the better later burton films um yeah i just i got nothing to get excited about with this here's my issue with what disney is doing with these films so like even the beauty and the beast movie i've seen the trailers i've seen a couple of the clips online (laughs) When you've got so many of the critical characters are still CGI animated, it's like, okay, what's the purpose of remaking a fully animated, hand-drawn animated movie into a half CGI movie that's still animation? It's just now the animation just looks 3D characters instead of flat. I, I, I guess I just, that's what my big hang up is, is we, we saw that with Alice in Wonderland. Alice in Wonderland was just over the top CGI CGI garish stuff. Maleficent. I never saw. I actually thought that was probably an interesting movie because it it was was not a remake of an actual story. It was more backstory, which I thought was where they were going to go with these things. It was kind of the, uh, yeah, it was kind of, you think you know this? It actually addresses that. It says like, oh, you think you know this yeah. story. Well, let's tell you it's from another the, perspective. It's a little more backstory on Sleeping Beauty, but it wasn't a remake of Sleeping Beauty. Right. It was a whole different story. Right. See, that I'm okay with. If you're going to be Disney and you want to ex- tap into your catalog, give us some of those interesting backstories of characters outside of the movies. But to do what – I mean, Beauty and the Beast, from what some of the reviews I read, is almost a shot-by-shot well, remake in some places. Just to use terms to kind of – I think it will – solidify what we're saying here is the difference between rebooting something and remaking something. And I think Maleficent was an attempt to kind of reboot the sleeping beauty Mm -hmm. story and tell it from a different angle, kind of come at it from a unique approach. Whereas like you, I have not seen beauty and the beast, but from what I hear reviews and from what, you know, my wife and my daughter said, yeah, it's basically like remaking the movie, but it, but a lot of it still has animated characters mm-hmm. and like some scenes look exactly like they do in the animated form, except they're live action. It's just kind of like, what's the point? Well, on the jungle book, you could make the same argument that well, it, but at least with the jungle book, I would say with that, it's all centered on animals. And so to try to put a real boy in this real looking situation where everything looks real to life and the animals look less, look more realistic CGI, if that makes sense, than normal CGI of like a beast because it's an Mm. animal and they can do that more convincingly than they can do. I don't... Jungle Book, I kind of give a pass. That to me I I give a pass because I thought the Jungle Book was really good. It was a (laughs) fun movie and I love... I thought the animation was amazing to watch just on its own. Sure. I don't know though. I mean, but of course, Dumbo, I mean, the elephants are going to be animated. I mean, you're not going to have a flying elephant without it being a CGI. <laughs> so are we talking all the animals are also going to be CGI kind of like the way we're in the jungle book, but they're going to be more cartoonish. And then are we really just recreating the, li- the, the animated version? Dr. Doolittle or Dumbo? Oh no, I'm much, much more worried about Dumbo. Dr. Doolittle at least 
you know, it's a remake of a classic right. idea. So, and it's Robert just, Downey Jr. And I think it's got an interesting director. You're a studio head. Yeah. And let's say both of these films, you're staking your reputation on, and you have to green light one of them. Oh, so I'm with a, all with all the knowledge that we've just talked about, you have to green light one of am them. Am I a studio head that's willing to take chances and would rather have a claim? If and, you're willing to take and, chances and, on and, your reputation, and positive, <laughs> positive, like reviews of a film, or am I a studio head that just wants as much money as humanly possible? Interesting. Because if I'm somebody who's saying, you know what, I'm so willing you to take think some, a, you think I'm willing to take some get chances. I want to put some interesting talent behind an interesting project and see if I can do something that really lands. I'm going Dr. Doolittle with Robert Downey Jr. and the director of Syriana. If I'm just like, okay, yeah, we need another Alice in Wonderland that makes a billion dollars and I want to sell a bunch of toys. I'm going to go the Tim Burton Dumbo route. Okay. You know, because it's Disney. It's like, Disney's already shown with all their remakes, they're going to make money off of every single one of these movies. I mean, um, Beauty and the Beast is doing really well. Oh, for Beauty and the Beast is yeah. like enormous moneymaker. Huh. Um, so I don't know. I just, I want to be excited about Tim Burton again. Well, I, I do too. You know, I do. And I just, I, I was hoping Miss Peregrine or Peregrine or whatever the name of that film was. I was hoping that was going to be the one to just get me locked back on and say, he's got it again. Right. And there were little moments in that film where I'm like, this is good. Tim, Tim's showing me something good here. And then it's like, okay. And then it just kind of went away. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Dumbo. All right. That's all the news I've got. I did not realize that the last two items were going to be so kind of interconnected and we pit them against each other, but that worked out pretty well. So that is our news. And now what we do with the last part of our show, Chris, is we go into our recommendations. Okay. Again, this is where you and I, we keep a, we have our vault. We have our list, our library of films we see. Right. We keep tabs on them. We rate them. We score them. We sort them. And we try to like look back through or catch up with films that maybe we haven't seen in a while or we have heard of and we've just been meaning to see. And we want to pass it along as a recommendation to you, our listening audience. The idea behind these films is find a film that you know you can definitely find online, renting on Amazon, iTunes streaming on Netflix, wherever it may be, you should be able to find these films online fairly, fairly easily. So with that, Chris, can I turn it over to you for your, for your recommendations first? So I've talked to Alan, I think I've talked to you off air, but uh, podcast listeners, I took on for some reason, not really sure why I said 2017, I'm going to pick a director and I'm going to try to see everything this director's done. And even if I've seen it, I'm going to watch it again just so I can kind of have, okay, this is his catalog from start to finish within this time span of one year, just so I can be like, Hey, I've done this. That's mm-hmm. kind of a ridiculous, stupid challenge that I came up with for myself. Yeah. I'm going to do the same thing in 2017 with Jordan Peele. <laughs> awesome. He's made one movie. So, so, I'm, so all you got to do is see get <laughs> out by the end of the year. And you're uh, done. Check off 2017. I'll just wait for next done. year. <laughs> that, that probably was wise. Um, I picked a director that I at least liked, so I'm not going to watch a bunch of films by a guy I hate. I picked Ridley Scott, and one of the reasons was he's coming out with Alien Covenant, as we've discussed here on the show. So I was like, you know, I'll go back and watch his back catalog, and so then when I go in to see this movie, I'll have more of an appreciation of his work, which I am, of course, dying to see Alien Covenant. Can't wait. Um, And reviewing his catalog has been really interesting. I've seen some movies that I've never seen, mm-hmm. such as Legend, which I somehow missed, which was horrible. Do not recommend that. <laughs> all, um, right. all of you Legend lovers yeah, out there, sorry. please write in to Chris and let him know <laughs> yeah. your feelings on his la- latest statement there. It's terrible. Um, saw his first film, 
which was called The Duelists, mm-hmm. um, which was very odd. Um, <laughs> but, you know, a period piece, so that's not my bag anyway. But you could tell this guy has talent. He's going somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so the movie I'm going to end up recommending, which I revisited, I have seen before. And I would actually recommend, if you've seen it, go check it out again because you'll probably you know, enjoy it again. If you haven't seen it, definitely check it out. It is Matchstick Men. Oh, yeah. And that's okay. from 2003. Mm-hmm. And it has Nicolas Cage, Sam Rockwell, who Alan mentioned previously. And the story is there's some con artists and they're trying to pull different kinds of jobs. And Nicolas Cage basically has kind of a breakdown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and in the process of getting help, finds out that his long lost daughter shows up and, you know, all this, you know, and so he just, and he, Nicolas Cage, a lot of people don't like him because he can be very kind of spastic and have all these kind of He can tics. be very Nicolas Cagey. Yes, he can be mm-hmm. very cagey. And this performance allows him to do that, but it makes sense because right. he has all these phobias. So it it's it's perfect. You know, it's like, okay, you know, let's let Nick Cage do whatever he wants. But it doesn't get away in the way of the story. And um, I really liked it. What I was surprised at on this rewatch was I already knew how the film was going to end up. Mm-hmm. And I didn't remember how it got there. And I was kind of feeling bad because I was like, wait, I don't see how this is going to be okay in the end. I don't, I, not that, but I really fell for one of the characters and I was kind of sad watching the movie because I was like, man, this is going to really stink. And it was okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At which, you know, hearing me say that a lot of times I come down really hard on Hollywood endings or things that wrap up really nicely or, you know, things that don't just end really depressing or stuff like that because it's like, oh, it's not realistic. It's not the real world. But this movie just really, for me, it, it got it right. It has an epilogue that I feel like it was really earned and it doesn't yeah. go overly sentimental, but it's just, just the right amount of kind of like of a gut punch in a way. Oh yeah. And it's just, man, it's well done. And really Scott, this is what I'm kind of realizing going through his filmography. He's been kind of all over the place. He did, you know, Legend, which was horrible fantasy. He did Gladiator. He mm-hmm. did Robin, a version of Robin Hood. He made a romantic comedy that I don't think anybody saw, but I finally did, called A Good Year with Russell Crowe. Oh, yeah. And it was about like, this guy like in wine country and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, you wouldn't think, when you think Ridley Scott, I don't think romantic comedy. You yeah. know? Or I don't think... Um, caper film with con men sure. that you know, has dramatic elements, but it's also pretty funny. I don't think that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Goodyear was okay. This film, I think, really worked, and it was really good. So Matchstick Men, you can stream it, I think, on Amazon, or it's, you know, of course, out on DVD somewhere. But um, I highly recommend you check it out. I will say Matchstick Men was... You know, I don't get surprised very often in movies. Okay. This movie generally did surprise me. And I liked where it went. Oh, yeah. And if you look at it from the outside of the surface and you just say, oh, it's Nicolas Cage movie and it's about con artists, you could line it up with 20 other Nicolas Cage movies that have been done in the last 10 years and not think anything about it. But the fact that it actually really, really worked and it had really Scott behind the camera, I think, you know, kind of just really helped it be more than, than I think we've been used to having from both Mr. Cage and, and even Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell's kind of, he's a great actor. He's just been in some he, little hit or miss movies. Yeah, and, he's, uh, I like Sam Rockwell. Yeah. I'm always glad to see him do stuff. And uh, he he's a scene stealer. Yeah. He, he really, because, you know, Nicolas Cage is the focus. He's the, it's a pair of con men, but Nicolas Cage is like, 
you know, he's the lead, and then Sam Rockwell is like his helper. And man, he's he's just he's really really funny in this. So you know, it's really interesting as I look at Ridley Scott's filmography. Oh, he's got some. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Kind of crazy. I mean, <laughs> I Thelma and Louise. Yeah, I haven't watched that one yet. I've only watched seven movies so far of, in his career, but yeah. Thelma and Louise is on my list. I got to check out. He did the movie 1492 Conquest of Paradise, which I think was uh, the Christopher Columbus movie. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. And I'm having Was it trouble. Depardieu was in that? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Have you seen it? No, I haven't. Okay, I'm having trouble. See, this is the thing. So these movies are kind of hard to track down, sure. which kind of leads you to believe they probably ain't that good. But, yeah, but that, that is that is one of them. I'm I'm gonna try to GI see Jane with Demi Moore, which that really interests me. Uh-huh. I haven't seen that one yet either. But knowing how Ridley Scott, a lot of times, you know, with Sigourney Weiner, Weaver, Weaver <laughs> in the first Alien, yeah. you know, it's like strong female character. GI Jane, like I'm I'm interested to see what he does with that whole yeah. idea. Hannibal and, like, was a did, film. Let's talk I, about you know. Oh, oh, I can tell. Bring it. I like Hannibal. No, no, I do. Oh, better. Oh, no, that's crazy <laughs> yep, talk. Yep. That's crazy talk. Yep. I, I did not get, I did not understand all the negative backlash to Hannibal when it came out. Really? Okay. Because I read the book. Oh, that so was actually, I. So I, I. I don't read books very often, but I actually did because I love Silence of the Lambs so much. I read the Hannibal novel because I wanted to read the novel before the book came out. And I mean, you know, I thought the movie worked fairly well compared to the book. And yeah, I, I, I thought it was fine. I did not like it more than Silence of the Lambs, but I thought Hannibal was an okay, it was a pretty good movie. Um, well, so, you know, it just, it went to some really dark twisted places, which is what the book did too. And um, well, I, th- I think the thing is, I'm not saying Silence of the Lambs is bad, but I have seen it and I've seen it, I think twice back when it came out. I care nothing about ever seeing that movie again. Oh, that's that's one of my favorites. I don't I, I don't care about seeing it again, and I don't know why. I think because it's kind of like Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight. It's just so like tense and kind of I can't oh. have fun watching it. It's oh, not okay. a pleasurable oh, experience. No, it, it's just very. Whereas, I, I don't watch it for pleasure. Well, I, it's no, a, just I, a really really well made movie, and it is well made. Yeah. Um, whereas Hannibal, yeah, it's still dark. I mean, obviously, but it's there's something about the way. There's something about the way Hannibal is in this one. He's almost like a superhero. And mm-hmm. He's taking revenge on people that really deserve it. Mm-hmm. And so you're kind of like, okay. And it's, it's, I don't know. There's something about how they turn certain aspects yeah. on the end that I, I really like it. And I think just because I've seen it, I've revisited it actually more now than I have the original Silence of the Lambs. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah, interesting. I don't, I don't know. That's another movie that I can. Yeah. I mean, he does have an interesting filmography and it is, of course, been around for a while. He's been oh, making yeah. movies since the late 70s. So right. very interesting. Well, I know you're excited about uh, Alien uh, Covenant. I am. A uh, trailer came out for that a couple of weeks ago. and As well as yeah. the whole, I think we discussed it on the show. The, yeah, you, the re- you did the recommendation thing. on yeah. that, I think so. Yeah. yeah. All right. So your recommendation is Matchstick Men from mm-hmm. Ridley Scott, which I can echo. I think is a great movie. Um, mine probably about from the same time period, I guess. When was Matchstick Men? That was um, 2003. All right, mine's pretty close. Mine's two thousand one. Okay, and you know, I, I I may have recommended this years ago, but whatever. I mean, if <laughs> I have, I apologize. Um, so Donnie Darko, is, I think it just got re released for its like fifteenth anniversary release. I guess that'd be about right because it was a two thousand one or so. two thousand two film, maybe when it actually kind of hit main theaters. And uh, so it's been re released as kind of a fifteenth anniversary version. I, I remember the first time I saw this movie, I didn't get it. 
but I knew I liked it. And it's Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal. Right? And this was Richard Kelly, director and writer, who went on to a couple other projects, never quite got built back up again to the kind of level, he, the notoriety he got from Donnie Darko. Right. Um, this movie is just, it was, it was a fascinating movie to watch because you, you have to kind of go back even sometimes and watch it again just to see if you can really figure out exactly what's going on. Right. And I love movies like that. Mm-hmm. I like it when you're, you're, you're talking about it more after the movie's done than you were while you're watching it. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal is, I think, one of his first Big acting jobs. I think you're right. I mean, so it had been 15 years ago, and, you know, he's probably in his 30s, uh, mid-30s now. So he's probably, you know, 20, maybe late teenager, early 20s when he did this. Right. He was playing a teenager, so it was kind of appropriate. But he he plays a troubled teenager who has these visions. Um, One of the main visions he has is a man in a large rabbit suit that he calls Frank. Um, I forgot his name, but Frank. Yeah, okay. uh, you know he has a, a a friend, a girl named Gretchen that uh, they're kind of dating. But he's seeing a psychiatrist. You understand that things are not all good in Donnie's head, but then you also realize that there may be other some supernatural things going on around him. Right. There's a plane that crashes into his bedroom. There's a giant rabbit following him around, encouraging him to to, to do criminal activities. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's a bizarre movie, but it's really well made and it's really good. And it's still I, I still love. There's a musical scene played to uh, "Tears for Fears," "Head Over Heels," just a slow montage of activity going on in this school. That I still think it's just a it's like a one big long track. Yeah, shot, right? it's just awesome. It's so good, and it's just perfectly played to that song. And, you know, you've got Drew Barrymore is in there as a teacher. You've got uh, Patrick Swayze's in there as another teacher. He's like I mean, a motivational speaker. Or yeah, something, something, something like that. It's just some <laughs> odd, odd stuff going on. And uh, I don't know. I just, I like the movie a lot. I, it's actually one that's on my list. I need to go back and watch even a, a, sec, a third time because so I really want to go back and appreciate it more. 2017 could be Richard Kelly. And you see, because he's only, he hasn't I made I think he's that. only done like three or four he's movies. He's done like three or four. Yeah, he's done Southland Tales. Southland Tales was this follow-up. And that was one that got so much, like, it was weird. It's like, you know, it, some people loved it and some people just hated it. Mm-hmm. And it was just very divisive film. Right. Um, so for a director credits, he's only made four. He's only really made three films as a director. The Box with Cameron Diaz. I'm 100%. I should have done Richard Ah, Kelly. (laughs) That should have been your 2017 year. Donnie Darko, Southland Tales, and The Box. Now, beyond that, he has written a couple things. He wrote um, Domino, that um, film. That was a Tony Scott film, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was Tony Scott. Not Ridley. Look at all the connections we're making here. here. Yeah, he wrote Domino, the screenplay for that. Hmm. And then, of course, he wrote all of his own movies. But he hasn't done anything since uh, The Box in 2009. Hmm. Hasn't written anything. Uh, He hasn't produced anything. Huh. He's really just gone. He was a producer of that Robin Williams movie, uh, World's Greatest Dad. Really? Which I thought was a really good movie. Yeah. Very interesting movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Surprising movie, I guess, is the way I'd say it. The uh, Bobcat Goldthwait directed movie. Yeah. Anyway, just interesting Richard Kelly. Uh, I have not seen, I haven't seen any of his other films. I haven't seen Southland Tales. I haven't seen the box. So all okay. I know is Darnie Darko and I think it's pretty cool. So <laughs> Fair enough. and I'm sticking to it. So 
that's our show, I guess, huh? Yeah. So we've done our Kong Skull Island review. We had three new uh, movie news items for you. And then we did our recommendations where we had Matchstick Men and we had Donnie Darko going back to the early 2000s yeah. for you today. So with that, Chris, somebody has listened to our show and they've got something burning to tell us. <laughs> something either you're going to just lay into us and tell us how Kong Skull Island was a classic masterpiece or they're going to really argue about whether or not Dumbo or Dr. Doolittle is going to be the better movie. Right. Something that I'm sure is just tearing families apart across the country Absolutely. as we listen to this. How do they reach out to us and let us know their thoughts? The best way is going to be to drop us an email at info at and just mention the subject line for Foot Candle Films. And like Alan said, tell us what you like, didn't like. Tell us how we're wrong about something or which movie you would green light, whether it be Dumbo or The Adventures of Dr. Doolittle. That's one way. <laughs> Alan also do the Dumbo Doolittle fight of 2017. Right. It's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. Um, another way to keep track with us and is where I'm actually keeping my list of uh, ranked Ridley Scott films is over on Letterboxd. And the way you do that website is you drop that last E. So it's L-E-T-T-E-R-B-O-X-D.com. Alan and I are both on there and we – keep uh semi track of the movies we're watching well i totally right. keep track of my movies there i don't write anything about them unfortunately <laughs> oh, but i do log anytime i see a movie on Fair letterboxd so and i try to write short little reviews when i can yeah. so. the fact that you only see one pop up every week or two means alan's not seeing as many as he <laughs> probably could or should so yeah, yeah i'm trying and then I would be remiss mm-hmm. if I didn't mention, of course, our film festival that Foot Candle's doing, yes. and it'll be doing it September 22nd through the 24th. It'll be here in Hickory, North Carolina again, and we are still accepting submissions. Early submission de- or normal submission deadline ends in May, and then late is in June. So you still have got time if you're an aspiring filmmaker or are a filmmaker and you have a film that you'd like to submit. Just go to footcandle.org, and on there you'll see a link to the festival page, or you can go straight to the festival page, which is footcandlefilmfestival.com. And that'll link you up with uh, how to submit your film. Yeah, we're really excited and looking forward to another, our third year of a film festival. And, uh, you know, we have about 30 some films total that we show over a three day weekend here in uh, the foothills of North Carolina. It's a great festival. We'll tell you more about it as we get closer to the date. But um, footcandlefilmfestival.com is going to be the source of information in the coming months. You know, you'll be able to see a schedule and buy tickets probably in July right. uh, to know what's going on. But until then, yeah, like Chris said, if you're a filmmaker um, and you got something to, to show us and you think uh, we might be able to get it at our festival, submit it. You have until, uh, what do we say, June? Yeah, June. June's the late deadline. But if you can save a little money on your submission yeah, fee and just sure. do it in May. Do it a little sooner. So, so it gives us a little more time to watch it, too. That's so. true. All right. So that is our show today. That's been Foot Candle Films. Thank you all so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Again, if you like what uh, we're doing here and you can tolerate our voices for an hour or so, then I'd (laughs) recommend subscribing to the show. And uh, that way you get all new episodes coming to you automatically. If you do happen, one last little thing for me. If you do happen to subscribe on iTunes while you're there, why not give us a star review? Because what Mm -hmm. that can do, assuming you give us a positive one, is it'll help more people learn about our show because when they're in iTunes, they'll see, Hey, what's this movie podcast about foot candle films? Maybe I should check it out. So do us a favor. If you happen to be in iTunes. Sure. I mean, we're not, we're not begging or anything. No, We're not grovelers. You know, we're just saying, Hey, if you got something to to get a little star rating to say, go for it. So that's awesome. Okay. Thanks everybody. We appreciate your time today and we'll look forward to talking to you next time. See you in the ticket line. Watch.
special thanks to Carpal Tuller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Tuller, visit www.carpaltuller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.